everybody. This is the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode 17. I am Jason with Jared. Yep. And Jay. Hello. And, and, and Michael. Hi there. And Michael sounds sexier than ever. Jay sounds terrible, as always. But we're uh, going to get... not coming in. No, 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 no we it's, love it's, him. It's fine, it's fine. It's just... You, it's, sound, you sound as good as you did last week. It hasn't decreased. It's just at its same level of, you know... It's at the level we expect. That's what I'm saying. Someday, you're going to move on up, like the Jeffersons, yep. to a place where, uh, you know, that that big uh, cable provider in the sky, wherever the good internet is. I'm going to talk about the news as if I pr- I'm going to pretend that I know what's going on, even though uh, yeah. these have just been yeah, written for me. Uh, yeah. And uh, I'm just reading them because that's all I know how to do. I, all, all I can do mm-hmm. is read. I can't think for myself. Lindsay Lohan threatens to sue Rockstar for a likeness that isn't her even though she's in there. I don't know what that means. Yeah. So somebody go ahead and explain well, it. Well, uh, it came up earlier this week that uh, Lindsay Lohan believes her likeness is in Grand Theft Auto V. And so uh, she's got her team of lawyers and they're investigating it and they want to sue. And the truth of the matter is that there is a caricature of her in um, Grand Theft Auto V called Lacey Jonas. And then you have to save her from paparazzi and take her home and all this. Lindsay Lohan doesn't know that. Lindsay Lohan thinks the image they ripped off because, you know, she's got this super huge ego is the lady in the bikini that's on all their advertising stuff. <laughs> so she thinks that's her. She's saying, give me money for using my likeness. I think what makes this so interesting is that she is in the game. So she's right <laughs> to try and sue them. But she's suing yeah. for the wrong thing. Now, there was a character in the Ballad of Gay Tony that I'm pretty sure was her as well. Is that the same character? Do you know? I don't think it's the same character. I think they just like, oh, you know, man. making fun of her a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the, the character she's actually suing or she's looking to sue over, um, that's based on a real world uh, model. I forget her last name. It's Shelby something or the other. But it's pretty factual that uh, it's relatively confirmed that this is the real world model she's based on. So Lindsay kind of has a case, but if her lawyers don't do their job and find where the case actually is, then there's nothing there. And I think it's not on the news. Did anyone else see this thing about the Beyond Two, Two Souls thing with Ellen Page? Uh, yeah, yeah. The nudity little prop. That was a few weeks ago, but, but yeah. That was a few weeks ago, but there was a rumor that uh, she was going to come after them and sue. But it turns out Ellen Page doesn't even actually care. I'm pretty sure you can't sue someone for failing to take something off of the internet, like, yeah, because that was the, that was the concern was that Sony was unable to retract those images from from the web, and those are the kind of lawsuits formulated by people who don't understand, you know, what the internet is, or yeah, and then I, but I think I think the thing is that they're saying that there wasn't even a real lawsuit. Now Sony just kind of said that in order to make people take it off. It's like Sony's like, oh, Ellen Page is going to sue us if you don't take these pictures down. So please help poor little us out and get rid of those pictures. And it turns out not even that is that is true because Ellen Page just didn't know this was going on. I think the Lindsay Lohan one, I, I'll, I'll guarantee you that never actually makes it into a courtroom, too, because it's so it's so cut and dry. Like they're able to be like, look, we hired this other model. We drew the picture based off of her. It's not even a character that appears in the game. It's just a character that appears on a random poster. She's not doing anything that you would associate with Lindsay Lohan, like black tar heroin or or giving <laughs> hand jobs. So I I don't see how there's any case here whatsoever. I, if if this was on Judge Judy, it would take five minutes and and she'd show him the door. 
I think the worst part about this is when it came up, someone did a side by side comparison with Lindsay and um, another Grand Theft Auto character, and the two characters look exactly alike. Do you know who this other character was? Uh, who? Uh, oh, yeah, I do. You, you linked me to it. It was uh, it was Trevor. It's Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually pretty all right. What else is going on in the news? Well, VGX happened. VGX did happen. Oh, did it uh, happen? Has anybody watched it all yet? Well, I I haven't had. I sort of wanted Sorry. to bring up the the ridiculousness of. Well, <laughs> here I go being all pessimistic already. But uh, what was that game called? The one with the space game that got shown at VGX that everybody. Oh, uh, No Man's Sky. Right. No Man's Sky. <clears throat> it really bugs me when in No Man's Sky in the trailer they're like, "Every atom is simulated," and it's like, "No, it's not. Just stop." Like. <laughs> That would, I, I, first of all, I, that wouldn't even be possible. And that wouldn't even be possible on... Even if they said every cell is simulated, I'd be like, no, definitely not. Even if they were like, every one-inch area is simulated, still, no. No, it's not. <laughs> well, hold on. I wrote, I wrote an article about it because they, they called it something very specific. And all you know, all the other gaming sites went nuts over it. And they called it a oh, procedurally generated sci-fi exploration sim. And I'm sitting here... And I have no idea what the fuck that means. So I actually had to get a dictionary and look it up. Well, it's, it's like Minecraft. Well, right. it's, it's, I suppose I should have to explain this more in depth. It's not like Minecraft. It's more like Spore. So Okay, yeah, yeah. Basically, in Minecraft, everything is already pre-made. The idea, I guess, in this game is that everything you see, or I guess almost everything, is made by an algorithm that is just always running and constantly able to generate new stuff that the developers didn't intend to be made, which is fine. And that's totally doable and everything. I just took issue with the wording that they were using the trailer because it Here, was here's my, kind of BS. Here's my skepticism over it, though. Here's my skepticism. Like, I, I wrote the article on it, and I think it is. Um, it could be really cool if they pull it off. And I'm not even worried about the really big thing. It's just if they re- release this game, right? I don't think anyone ever remembers that other games like this, where it kind of just generates the content, happens to often be not good, <laughs> especially coming off this like Skyrim kick. And everyone praises Daggerfall for what it was able to do in terms of just creating mm-hmm. content on the fly. And uh, Daggerfall <laughs> was just kind of a mess of a game. Yeah, anybody who praises Daggerfall for its randomly generated map never played Daggerfall. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, I mean, yeah. actually, Daggerfall was a you know fairly decent game, but its gigantic map didn't do any favors. I guess my point is, I, I'm not saying the game's going to be bad. I just, from just knowing how the technical stuff works underneath, the trailer was seemed extremely dishonest. Like it seemed like somebody was being an asshole, and like, yeah, I'm going to say that it was like SimCity saying, "Oh yeah, our, our SimCity calculations are so impressive. We need the cloud to calculate them." And then it turned out there was no cloud calculation. This is kind of the same thing. Where like very- every atom is simulated, and it's like, no, you have a pool of objects you've already made, and it's plunking parts together randomly. It definitely breaks a little of uh, Peter Molyneux here. Um, right, exactly. Game. I guess. I guess the trailer did its job. It's definitely basically the only thing anyone talked about from VGX. That and uh, Joel McHale, but I was I was gonna say if you go to the developers like Twitter though they're they're pretty down to earth and pretty grounded like they what? they seem really humble and really reasonable about the project they're working on like I, Rock Paper Shotgun did a uh, an interview with them and they were they were 
kind of playing it off a little bit lighter than I think they. I, I basically, I wonder how much of this was maybe Spike's influence, and, and like, hey, you I'm know, sure let's that had something to do with it. Let's talk it up a little bit, or or even just like a marketing piece or something like that, because the actual devs seem a little bit more reasonable, I guess you could say. But I don't know. This the whole thing feels really early and and really hard to say. And I don't think that anybody is. I think people are excited about the concept of the game, but I think if you really think about it and you really watch that trailer and you really look at all the buzz surrounding it, it's almost all based on the art direction. Like, I just think that game had a really unique look to it and a really unique design to it. And I I think that if you really sit and think about it, I think that's what you're excited about a little bit. Well, I think you're probably right about that. And I think, you know, that's that's why I like the original BGX interview in my article because the guy, uh, Sean Murray, is actually... A really cool guy you can really feel kind of his love of this stuff and all that so he is, it's a, it is a, a project that he's excited about and that's that's usually a good sign and i think you're totally right when i looked at it when i looked at the trailer and i saw this stuff um i thought a few things about it you know this is the same year as mirror moon and it just looked like a much better version of mirror moon um <laughs> don't say that <laughs> <laughs> but but no for like like seriously on um you know i said this in my article too but with uh, Fantasy Star Online, which by comparison today isn't a very big game at all. It's definitely corridor controlled and it had a few randomly generated maps, but not that much. You know, but Mass Effect as well, just going out there and exploring planets and all that. I definitely got that sense off of it. And I would love a game that's just kind of focused on doing that. So if they can pull it off, just my normal skepticism, I think, that comes in when I look at a game like this. I think especially the part that got people excited was you're not so much the whole procedural promises and everything like that. But the fact that the guy gets in the cockpit and flies up in his spaceship and then seamlessly he's up in space and there's like already a battle going on between like battleships and stuff like that. But again, it's like the whole time the technical minded part of myself is going, Oh God, that's like a nightmare. There's so much, there's so much memory that has to be stored to, to have all that going on outside the planet. And this is going to be, I don't know. It seems more like this is what we really want to do more than this is what's actually in the game right now. Well, but that's why they say it's procedurally generated, because that that stuff, even though it looks like it was there, it wasn't yeah. there until you flew up there. Right. I guess the I'm, I guess the question comes into I don't even know if the game's going to have multiplayer, but if it does, it's like. How many people can you have, you know, each? I think they're saying that there is going to be multiplayer in there and that, um, you know, if everyone's going to kind of going to be exploring the same star system or whatever. So, yeah, something huh. like that. All right. So be it. So it'll be a game. Let's talk about the other oh. news to come out of the VGX, which is which is Joel McHale. <laughs> oh, man. Leader of nerds. For our listeners who don't know what this is and for me, what is this? And for v- me as well. VGX? VGX or Joe McHale? No, Joe McHale. Joel Ma- I've heard people Joel buzzing McHale. about it, but I just I haven't had a chance to sit down and find out what the hell they're talking about. He, he along Joel- with uh, oh. along with Jeff Keeley are your affable hosts for the VGX Awards. Yeah. And Joe McHale is um is not a video game guy. He's um he's a comedian, you know, he's started in community. That's kind of his most known thing. I think the so, soup. I think most people know him yeah, the, the soup. soup too. Most people know Does he have a navy well. by chance? And what's that? Does he have a navy by chance? <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. What a joke! Wow, that's well, well, that's really going to ring a bell with our young audience. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm 27 years old. Give me a break, man. Really take that one away, especially you, Jared. 
Nice. I think here's the thing about Joel McHale. Like, if you've seen Community and, and if you've seen the suit, then you know what kind of guy he is. So nope. you kind of know what you're paying for if you bring him into a show like VGX. And I think a lot of people got offended that, oh, he was so mean to video games. And it's like, this is what you paid for. This is what you're getting. It's, it's his shtick. He's kind of a... So, again, since neither of you saw it, he's he's kind of notorious for, you know, dry sarcasm and so he's on here, and he's like, oh, "Video games, ugh. I can't wait to die," and you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> okay. And people got people got kind of upset. I, I have to say, I think I don't think he was a good choice. For he wasn't a-, a good choice. He definitely didn't want to be there. That was my problem with it. It's like it didn't even feel like it was kind of his best material. It just felt like put this to sleep let me go home to my wife and and forget this ever happened. He was he was a poor choice for a show that has already struggled to not be terrible and not be condescending to its audience and uh <laughs> well it wasn't even good enough to put on TV right not this year i i think jeff keely gets a lot of shit for you know kind of the mountain dew and doritos connections and like some of the promotional footage that he's appeared in and and i i think i think there's a, a subset of people out there that just think he's a, a shill and um, don't have a positive opinion of him. But I, I thought, especially in the VGX, I, I think the dude's a class act. He actually knows everything that everyone's talking about. And like he he did a really good job of, um, at least from the stuff I saw, of making the people who were in the industry look good on camera. And, you know, yeah. kind of it, it, unlike Joel McHale, who who calls Grand Theft Auto 5 GT5, which is... GT5, <laughs> yeah, you did Gran, call it that. Grand Turismo 5, my favorite, my favorite you know, Grand um, Theft Auto game. Paul Tassi, the writer for Forbes, who does this stuff, he actually, I think, uh, suggested an extra just let Jeff host the whole thing, you know? Yeah, oh, I, think, I think Jeff did just fine. If you got to have um, a little bit of more celeb to it, like uh, get Will Wheaton or somebody like that in there. Like, yeah, they can find somebody to do this who... Um, oh, there's that smoking hot lady that uh, Ubisoft always uses. I I highly doubt that people turned into or or tuned into the show because they're like, oh, Joel McHale, my favorite. <laughs> I don't think that happened. It worked last year. Last year they had Neil Patrick Harris, so you're going to watch anything with him in it. I guess. Yeah. yeah. No. No. Maybe. I mean, there are people out there who will. I didn't. I didn't yeah. necessarily mean me. Like, I don't. Okay. I don't care. So I'm the only NPH fan here. That's okay. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I love you, Doogie Howser. Yeah, now now Doogie Howser's a different story. I didn't <laughs> know we were talking about that. Uh Christ, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do. Let's please. All right. The NSA have been orcs and trolls, I guess. Such a such a nefarious organization would surely roll alliance, right? You think so. Uh, you think so. Well I just hope are... that they got all the rating gear in order, you know. Did I gotta they, wonder. Did they submit their uh, guild applications and everything? <laughs> I gotta wonder how much resources the NSA kind of has that they can just send these people on the internet in every conceivable way all the time. Oh, please! Oh. This is just someone's cousin Morty, who they're like, "Oh, he really needs a job, and he's really good at the <laughs> World of Warcrafts. Maybe we could find a terrorist cell there, because that's where they're gonna be." Why would you run a terrorist cell in a place where you have to at pay the- fifteen bucks a month? It's just a drain on your money. That's that's true. Well, I mean, maybe it's cheaper than gas to drive to some little hideout, <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, sure. I'm sure I'm sure that there are a couple insurgents there that planned domestic attacks in between Onyxia runs. <laughs> Certainly. 
<laughs> they're, they're using code all throughout. It seems like they could have found some free-to-play MMO where there was nobody else online to listen in on their conversations, though. Yeah. I don't know. I, I <laughs> This is just really fucking stupid. It's not, it's not surprising to me that they had agents in WoW. It's just like, it's just one of those questions as to, you know, why why waste anyone's time with this shit? <laughs> what race do you like to play? <laughs> uh, those blood elves, man. Fucking evil. Okay. I think that's it for this topic. Yeah. That, yeah. that topic. <laughs> no, I think this one has legs. Let's, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's move to something that has more legs. Like bad stuff from the last generation. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so um, so last week, listener, if you weren't here, we talked about uh, you know all the things that we remember fondly and and truly loved uh, over the course of the last eight years, and we've we've kind of defined generation as a time frame, not necessarily a, a system limitation. So you know, PC games released during that time would still uh, kind of be something that qualifies and fits into that realm, and um, you know, lots happened, a lots changed, and we had a good hour's worth of nice things to say. And uh, I'm sorry, Jason, but I'm sure we probably have two to three hours of horrible things to say. <laughs> I'm sorry because you're only going to be able to say like one hour of them. Whatever. I, I mean, I mean, it's um, as far as the, no, no, I'm, I'll shut my mouth. <laughs> Jay's opting to shut his mouth. That's a first. It actually is. <laughs> it really is. It must so, be really awful. So we put this list together. Should we should we just go through it in, in kind of the order that's there? Or? Yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, that's just topic. Yeah, I'll go through the first one. So I, I listed out uh, this. This one was kind of my topic. Uh, I feel like a big trend to this generation was that there was a uh, increased feeling that uh, end users are doing quality assurance for game devs. We're doing th- a lot more than that. Well, I mean, I mean, of course, we're doing more than that, but. Uh, but I think that this is one where it's definitely more noticeable in some situations than it has been in others. And so some of my examples were, were SimCity, which had a uh, an absolutely horrible launch. Um, Grand Theft Auto V Online doesn't feel like it was playtested or really thought out at all. I'm sure it was. Those, those two I actually couldn't find great numbers on. But maybe just to give you some more examples... Fallout New Vegas launched, notoriously known as as just busted on launch. And Obsidian, the devs, they don't really have a good reputation for putting out games that work on on the first day. Uh, but this one felt particularly bad. Uh, and then I don't know if you guys ever had the displeasure of playing Sonic 2006. Nope. Someone tried to convince me to play it, and I absolutely refused. I don't know if you guys could. What, what were other buggy games that you played this this gen? Well, when you wrote down when you wrote down Fallout New Vegas, I actually thought any obsidian or bethesda title really or bioware for that matter there are a lot of buggy games out there i think as far as this gen goes early on when we first kind of got mass effect and uh fallout 3 and all these other titles that were really really kind of buggy and had all sorts of issues with them i think players were kind of willing to give them a pass because i don't know if anyone remembers this but there's basically a desert in gaming where everything that was coming out was just kind of like a shitty nonsensical shooter like modern world warfare or whatever the fuck in the future you know it's like just really dry area in gaming so when you got mass effect or the first fallout 3 and all that it's like yeah it's glitchy but it's actually a good game and as the generation went on we got more and more quality games but at the same time they also weren't fixing the bugs and it's like well now everything's quality but everything's also broken and this can't kind of slide anymore i was going to say i think what's interesting about the list that you wrote down here is um especially since i jumped back 
into Skyrim, the really funny thing is, it's like, you know, all the Skyrim modders realize that they could just get together and patch the game faster than Bethesda could. And, uh, you know, you have all these unofficial patches and they do a much better job than a lot of the shit that uh, Beth put out for Skyrim. I remember patch 1.3, I think it was, literally broke the game. And you just couldn't play it for a month because it was so broken. Do you remember the one? I, I don't remember if it was the first patch or a little bit after, but um, God, they re- they released one that made dragons fly backwards. Yeah, that's the that? one. One point three. <laughs> what a classic! Dra- Dra- dragons flew backwards. I was I was I knew there was there had to be a problem with the game because I was dying so fast to magic, and I looked it up and it was like you know the, just the list of problems they created with the patch um, was awful. And Grand Theft Auto Five Online. That was another case where each patch that they put out just kind of broke the game more than it was before. Well, and this is kind of a problem that, uh, especially talking about Skyrim, I guess, is, you know, if you played it on the PC, at least you had the option of using mods, whereas those of us who played it on the console, we were kind of just left to the devices of uh, whenever Bethesda felt like getting around to fixing it. And even, like, New Vegas, which was released in a shameful state, I mean, I have to remind you, it was still a great game. It was a lot of fun, just it was so buggy and froze so often that it was, <laughs> it felt like we got an unfinished product. You know, I understand what you're saying. I think I think we kind of left the worst one off the list, and this one just just happened. Ashen Cricket? I, I don't know what that is. Yeah, you haven't seen any of the Ashen Cricket stuff? No. Okay, Ashen Cricket is, like, just literally i think it's basically the first game for cricket because let's face it uh that's what we've all been waiting for is a game about cricket and it's not really something i can talk about it's something you have to go experience so after the podcast is done i want you to go and look up ash and cricket but uh, there are a ton of gameplay videos online <laughs> if you want to talk about a broken game if you want to talk about something that doesn't work the ai in that game just kind of stands around looking confused and doing completely batshit insane things that this doesn't make any sense. And, uh, you know, this went out. This was an official Steam release. You know, people purchased the game. They tried playing it. And it was immediately kind of pulled down from everything because it's like this game wasn't tested at all. And it's like officially sh- sanctioned. It's like cricket. No American, I think, cares about it. But cricket's a sport that they care about somewhere. And it passed by all these organizations and out it just went kind of out the windows. So Now, I didn't, I, I don't know if you saw on the list, I didn't spend a, a huge amount of time doing the research on it, but just kind of fun fact on at least a couple of those games. I went through and pulled end credits and watched end credits from the games to try and figure out just what kind of quality assurance and playtesting team there was behind them. New Vegas has three playtesters listed in the end credits. Wow. <laughs> a whopping three for a... And I mean, that doesn't mean that there's not more who are just uncredited, but like, um, I think that a company that's always had high standards for quality assurance and has continued to have high standards for quality assurance throughout this gen has been Nintendo. And uh, they'll always list like a team. They'll list quality assurance and then they'll say play testers and there's a Nintendo of America quality (laughs) assurance team that they list there. And so um, for New Vegas to just have three individual people is, is a little crazy to me. And then Sonic 2006. Now, some of this is speculation and rumor that I found online. But if you watch the end credits to the game, no playtesters listed. No quality assurance listed. Nothing. <laughs> and uh, there are even people online who confirmed that. They were saying that the playtesters had listed problems. Like the game did have people who tested it, but the developers just ignored it because the game was already over budget and delayed uh, past its its time point and so they just put it out 
I'm kind of glossing over the real point here because I, I list this as just uh, end users doing quality assurance. But if you want to stack one more onto this, I feel like this is the generation where it really somehow became acceptable to ship a product that just flat out isn't done. No, I, I totally agree with you. And, and I be think like, we're, oh, we're going to have this feature, but we don't have it now. We're going to put it out later. And so to release a game, even for like the next gen console launch, to release a game that runs at 720p and then be like, oh, we'll patch in 1080 later. Like, that's well, so there, weird to me. There's a couple of pretty notorious MMOs for it as well that came out in the last like two years, probably. The Secret World, I'm, I was in the beta for that one. And. Everyone's like, oh, it's just a better, you guys. It's like, no, the fucking release day is next month. They intend to release this version of the game. This is what everyone... Um, <laughs> Have you seen that picture, was, by the way, that, that it's sort of like something that goes around on Fortune a lot? It's like, it's just a beta. They'll patch it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's only just released. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I don't want to be alone. It's like then, the constant and, excuses for MMOs that <laughs> suck. It's like, it's a beta. Yeah, well, it's, it's a month away from release. So it's not really a beta. It's just like a stress it's test. Not really so get off. Yeah, it's a stress test. But the real, the oh, real, the real big one was um, Final Fantasy fourteen. That was the catastrophe in the MMO world. And I played that beta, um, you know, and I played it kind of just up into release. And it was an absolute nightmare. It was kind of the worst thing I'd experienced in recent memory. But I wanted to go back to um, something Michael said. You know, Michael was saying that, you know, for console users in terms of Skyrim, there's nothing that they could do with uh, the patches. But I think it was actually the opposite. I think if, you know, and you legitimately got the game like I did, then you were really fucked because this is tied to something else I don't see on the document, which is digital rights management. Oh, yeah. I didn't even... I, I mean, DRM existed before this gen, of course, but not, it got really not bad like it does. Time. Yeah, not like it does today. Because part of the, the part of the whole thing with the Skyrim 1.3 patch is for anyone who legitimately, legitimately got the game and uh, played it through Steam, you could not escape it. Your game was broken until they fixed it a month later. Really? Yeah, mm. that was it. It was it was just like the consoles. If you if you put in um, so so Skyrim 1.0 has the. Uh, make a billion daggers to get your blacksmithing, you know, up to a hundred really easy. So when I found out that they patched that out, I deliberately erased the patches on my on my Xbox and uh, started a new game. And it, it won't let you. It'll it'll force mm-hmm. you to go. It's just like that on Steam. So they wouldn't let you play unless you were patched and you didn't want to patch because it would effectively break the game. This actually segs into something else too. On top of uh, quality assurance being shitty on top of, um, you, you know, games shipping that aren't yet complete. The other trend that I feel like really started this generation that I just can't abide is um, early access. I'm just so mm-hmm. you know tired what? I, of that. I, I think early access is the least, it's the thing I'm least angry about in theory and in practice. In theory, there's not really anything wrong with it, I guess. It's like pre-ordering, except instead of waiting before you can play the game, they're just like, well, you can play it now if you want. And you'll be like, okay. And you do that. In practice, my, my, it's it's quite annoying because people use it as like... It, it's different than a pre-order, though, because you're you're almost like taking a risk, especially with a lot of the smaller independent developers who... You don't know if they're even going to finish the game, and they're asking for full price right up front, and that always bugs me a little bit. Yeah, and I think what really bugged me out is just the defense of planetary annihilation when they wanted ninety dollars for something that wasn't done. <laughs> yeah, there's also uh, 
episodic games that kind of have that same hook. Like, uh, it's it's one thing for like a big developer like like Telltale, but then there's other places like like Kentucky Route Zero, which I talk about all the time, which I'm still still waiting on that third act. Like, <laughs> who, who knows when that's coming? And it wasn't a cheap game. It's not a cheap game. It's like twenty five dollars. And so I'll, I'll be I'll be kind of bummed if all I get is half of a game and you know two hours that, worth of play. That's almost worse than getting no game at all if they draw you into it and then cut you off. Yeah, it's kind of like the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. You get all hooked on it, sure, and then it gets canceled. <laughs> and then what good is it? You know, there's there's another aspect also to the early access, which is there are people who are just kind of dumb and they don't get it. So in Starbound right now, what has happened just recently, and I say what has happened like it was a tragedy. It was just normal. It's just it was what was going to happen. They patched the game. They did a little bit of an overhaul of how the progression system works because it didn't make sense before. And they said, yeah, and by the way, this is going to break your save games. Now, keep in mind, they not only said this update's going to break your save games, so we're going to start you over, but before you even buy the game, on the website it says, you know, this is phase one of the testing. Don't participate unless you're okay with the idea that you're not playing a complete game. You don't mind that your save games might be wiped from time to time, etc., etc. And there's actually people today, not a lot of people, but there are people who bitch about how their save game got wiped. And they're like, well... All this work for nothing. I want a refund. <laughs> and then they say, well, I didn't pay to be a beta tester. It's like, no, you literally fucking did. You literally <laughs> fucking paid to be a beta tester. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I, there are definitely people that don't get it. And I think, um, you know, I wasn't aware of the first early access game I ever bought. Now I cheerfully check for that shit. Yeah, I've I've done that too, where I don't think I've finished a purchase but like i've gotten halfway through a buy on steam and then been like oh wait 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 and had to go back and and undo it and yeah. and like i don't know there's something about it the the way it's listed bugs me and um uh, prison architect i really want to play but i don't want to play it until it's done like i don't want to mm. play it I, i'm sure it's fun i'm sure it's great but i just i'm not interested well, in in serving as a beta tester the other thing it. with prison architect it's a fun, it is a fun game i played it it's way too expensive for early access. It's almost way too expensive, even if you consider what it might be like when it's done. It's a really, it's what, what, 30 bucks? That's yeah. pricey for an indie. I think we're also skirting mm. around something else about um, early access that bugs me is the deal, quote unquote, that the developer tries to make with you with early access sometimes is that they say, well, it's going to be this price now. If you want to get it at this price and you don't want to pay <laughs> twice for it, you know, later on, Zomboid you need to get this that. version now. Yeah. yeah. Zomboid was $8 uh, for a time and then it, it's 15 now. So Yeah, and then and on some early access games, the price just keeps kind of jumping up and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of rhyme which reason or it. It's not like, you know, we're saying that the early access, this early access game is going to be 8 bucks while it's early access and then 15 bucks when it's done. No, we're saying it's going to be 8 bucks now and then at patch, you know, two point twelve or whatever, we're gonna make it fifteen bucks, and then patch three point five, we're gonna make it, you know, twenty bucks, and so on and so on and so on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I I'm not too cool with that. The other like kind of piece of this is that for a game like Minecraft, like even when Minecraft was was in its very early stages, there was still enough there that like you could dump forty hours into it, e- even though it doesn't have it didn't have half of what it has now. 
And yeah. I feel like a lot of early access doesn't have that same value. Like I, I bought Betrayer for early access and I'm sorry, but there's not more than like two hours worth of stuff that's worth experiencing. Huh. Um, you're, you're basically, to me, you're paying to play a game twice, once when it's good and then once when it's not good. <laughs> I, I can't see early accessing basically any game that's not like a sandbox game because who would want to play an early right. access of a story-based game where it's right, like you're, you're a quarter of the way through the story and then like your game crashes or something. That's the, that's <laughs> the problem to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know anything about this because I really don't uh, play a whole lot of PC games, but I mean, I'm sure there are people out there who it's a great deal for people who are going to get the game anyway, who want to get their claws into it early and, you know, I don't know if the developers take the uh, player reactions into consideration much, but I'm sure there are people who like getting to have a say in it. But I really don't see the appeal of getting a game that's not finished. And yeah, I mean, there's there's I, sort of two I, sides I, to the Zomboid thing too. The 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 price hike over time. I sort of liked that because I got it early, but I also know that there are people out there who don't like feeling pressured. Like, well. I like where the game's going, but I'm not sure that it's there yet, so I don't want to dump the money in. And yet, at the same time, they're telling me, well, if you don't do it now, it's only going to cost you more later. And I didn't have a problem dumping it in because I figured it was going to a good place, and I was like, fuck it, it's $8. But I know there's lots of people who don't like being pressured like that. But at the same time, at least it's an it was an option at the time. I know mm-hmm. Minecraft did the same thing. It used to be a lot less money than it is now, but... Uh, the biggest what? problem right now is just that they everybody now just charges full price right out right out of the gate regardless of what state the game is in mm. i i what i feel like is um you know early access is some kind of strange hybrid between crowdfunding and um you know a full release game yeah and in my opinion that should just be a separate section of steam it shouldn't be alongside you know all the completed developer games that they're putting up there seems yeah. fair I agree. It's just like with the Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. If they would put the DVD <laughs> on, if they had a section in in the uh, Sam Goody or the Babbages or whatever, if they had a section there where it said incomplete TV shows, I wouldn't be so bent out of shape about it. But, you know, you want to know what's up with that orb that he's always messing with. And uh, uh-huh. and it just it just gets thrown out of a train. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't get it. Is, it. is this your way of telling us to move on? <laughs> Every single time you talk about whatever the fuck that game is, all that runs through my head is like, Chef Boyardee presents Charles Barkley <laughs> Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. <laughs> oh, now if you want to talk about a game that I'm sad they never completed. I do. Yes. I wasn't sure. Huh? It, was, it was Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was complete. Is yeah, that... I thought it was finished. Is it? I, I think it I is. The first oh, game finished, and now they're doing a sequel. Oh my god, that makes my day. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we don't have to talk about it. Good thing I brought it up. Jeez. Yeah, seriously. Th- I was afraid nobody would even know what I was talking about. Oh, hell no. I know exactly right. what you're so talking should, about. Should we move down the list then? <laughs> so, the next one on the list, I kind of take issue with a little bit, because I don't, I don't really agree. But uh, it's, it's trilogy games, and I think this generation was uh, the generation for the trilogy, um, just partially because eight years is almost a perfect cycle for you to put out three games like that just about works out uh, just <laughs> right. Um, and I, I also think it's it's the generation where a lot of those trilogies have great first two entries and then they just totally don't stick that third. Yeah, um, movies. I, I, I feel like they're taking their cue from movies on that one. 
like what what what's a movie what would be your alien. example what's oh yeah alien that's a pretty good one i actually like terminator. alien 3 but i can admit that it is not it's inferior right right terminator and now we're getting to the point where it's just no longer where they have their trilogies and they're still making them and you should stop doing that like transformers is one Oh, because Transformers was so good right out of the gate. <laughs> it wasn't. I, I I know. I know it wasn't. You know exactly awesome, but it uh it apparently had a long way to fall from. So from a pretty low height and fell even lower, and it's getting a fourth movie. So I think I think the big ones are Mass Effect and and Dead Space. At least for me, with the trilogies, those are the ones where you know good good, and then what happened? Like I don't know if people moved on to other projects or or what well, exactly. I, th- I think we know what happened with Dead Space. What what happened? Tell me. EA Games. Well, EA Games made two, and it's one of my favorite games. It's fantastic. It's it's part of their kind of like kind of acquire property and they'll decide the numbers aren't doing what they expect or whatever. So they just have to turn into Call of Duty. Um, I guess I guess that's true. You you can feel the franchise uh, and this ties into something else that's listed in the document, which is specifically with Dead Space. You know, you get so far with it and you're like, but, you know, it it would do a lot better if it was less horror and more shooty shooty. And uh, I think that's a big thing that has just call it call of duty in a way. I don't think that the game is like so bad that it's ruined other games, but I think that it's reception and it's reputation has wound up ruining other games because now everyone aspires to be that. I think that's a, I think that's an accurate beat on it. And which is also mm-hmm. something else that happened this generation. I think, you know, EA looks at the call of duty series and they're mad that, you know, their original call of duty, which is Medal of honor isn't, didn't make that money and they killed it. So now they're trying to turn every series basically into Call of Duty to try and get that money. And, you know, Square Enix, they even had to apologize for what they said about Deus Ex and Tomb Raider and um, Sleeping Dogs. It was like, okay, these games did sell pretty good numbers and we were just kind of being dicks by expecting it to sell Call of Duty numbers. Well, good. Now, the other <laughs> the other trilogies, because there were a lot of trilogies that, that started in uh, in this generation and finished at the same time. Like there, I also listed Uncharted and Gears of War, but I, I don't feel like either of those really had weak third entries. Like, I don't really think there's anything wrong with either of those games. I think Gears of War just kind of stagnated a little, but other than that. Eh, it's got a pretty good finish for something that was never really, uh, uh, you know, art house to begin with. It's it's pretty good. I, I, like I said, I don't know that it's super unique to this generation. I don't know if you want to argue about uh, the the point that someone wrote in here, which is also games that started as trilogies and then won't stop, like Halo. Yeah, it's definitely not unique. I mean, we're up to... Um, actually, oh, God. Actually, speaking of Square Enix, I was going to say we're like up to Final Fantasy fourteen, but then I remember they did a trilogy off of just thirteen this generation. This is, this is just video <laughs> games. Like, video games get sequels. I'm sorry to tell you that. Like, Elder Scrolls are still getting sequels somehow. Nobody was mad about Mario Brothers three. I'd also say the best uh, the best Halo game was this generation, um, and it was it was Reach. That's right. Mm-hmm. I said it. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. It very well may yeah. have been. I, I mean, I think, I think, I think that there, there's always been series that have overstayed their welcomes. I think there's always kind of been that reach that they shouldn't have gone for, you know, going back to the JRPGs, the Xeno games are a huge example of just going a little overboard with it. You know, you finish Xeno Gears and it's like, this is part five and we're going to release six other parts. And then 
that gets canned. It's like here comes Xeno Saga, and this is going to be like a six part part epic. And <laughs> no, we're cutting it down to one game. No, it looks like we do get to have another three. And then it's like Xenoblade. This is our chance again to make this huge epic. Oh, we're only getting one game, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we talked about the the kind of decline of horror games just a little bit. And it would really be we'd be remiss if we didn't mention everyone's favorite franchise, which Silent is Hill. which is Resident Evil. Silent um, Hill. Well, sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm too he, much. He of was a, being sarcastic. I'm too much of a wuss to play Silent Hill. And so I guess the fact that I can play a modern Resident Evil game shows you just how far <laughs> the mighty have fallen. Because but, see, that's the thing, because because Resident Evil wasn't a fall. Resident Evil came out with their new formulas for four. And um, somewhat five, and it was really good. And then everything they did after that was like, you know, they lost it again. Well, I think well, from a horror perspective, I think it's a pretty straight decline from four. Like four is still creepy and has its moments. And then five is kind of just the co-op really kind of just ruins whatever man. atmosphere yeah. you could have going. And then six but, is like straight up the Matrix, but <laughs> not the Matrix. I well, I mean that's 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 still all of Resident Evil with like the Albert Wesker shit and all that kind of stuff. But um the kind of difference here between Resident Evil and um Dead Space is Dead Space is kind of like really obvious and kind of really forced and you know, it's like we're gonna take this kind of cool, kind of fucked up protagonist and just make him a traditional bald space marine. But when Resident Evil 4 came out, it was like a real consideration for changing the gameplay mechanics it's not you know it wasn't trying to uh copy another formula it was just trying to make resident evil feel better right certainly well, I, I, would, I think four is great i don't think yeah I, I think four really i mean it took a i mean resident evil had been kind of on a downward decline for a while before that i mean yeah obviously it's one of those games you can't go back and play the original anymore because it's just so antiquated but you know it started out as being like you know the very model which all survival horror was based off of and you know then you had nemesis which was a little more action-based and then you had code veronica which had a stroke and i don't know what's going on (laughs) there well the resident evil series is such a weird series because it's it's um i think people more kind of remember it as being worse than it actually was because it had you know even times when it was on the decline it had a few strong entries like we had the gamecube resident evil games which were um really good we had resident evil the remake Zero, was and, quite excellent yeah and we had the remake and you know those were actually quite good and, and it's I like yeah resident- enjoyed code veronica it's just you know it kind of had lost its uh it, it was no longer on the pulse of what good survival horror was so i mean i think resident evil 4 was a great uh re- reimagining of the way the game played it's just after that they kind of went more in that direction of what if it were more like the matrix and there yeah. was bullet time and well, you couldn't I think, pick up two items at the same time. I, I, like. don't, I don't. I think the problem with survival horror, kind of as a genre, you know, because this is something sort of related to this gen, is um, survival horror feels like a genre that's better when it kind of limits you. You know, the games, the games that everyone are so scared of, especially these days, are the kind of run and hide games that take away all your abilities and you can't do anything against monsters. But as technology has gotten better. And games have given you more options. Survival horror, it's easy for it to kind of get antiquated and, and feel bad. And like it's like I, I think the the problem Resident Evil has, and actually Silent Hill as well, because Silent Hill has tried to update itself and uh, you know, people need to be elitist about it and be like, Oh, this isn't the Silent Hill I remember. This isn't the Silent Hill that 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 scared me. It's like why does this character 
move in a straight line when I push up. That's not how Silent Hill played. It's because like the technology has to update. And I do feel like like Resident Evil, Silent Hill had a few um, stronger showings than people give it credit for. Like I don't think Homecoming or um, Silent Hill Origins was the one and Shattered Memories and all those. I feel like they did a better job than people give it credit for. It's just, um, you know, there's that kind of nostalgia thing and there's that feeling that survival horror can't quite advance at the same pace that other game genres can advance. Certainly. And I mean, I guess in a way, Resident Evil is kind of a bad example for the entirety of survival horror because it really went in an entirely different direction than the rest of the genre. But um, I do think it this generation, we kind of saw a faltering as new survival horror couldn't quite uh, reinvent itself for this generation. Because you wouldn't want to play a game that plays like Silent Hill, the original, even though it was a lot of fun. You would want something that plays a little more you know, modern. I don't think they found quite that right balance, at least, you know, right away. I, I, I don't think you can give Capcom any credit for kind of honoring their series. They, they're basic. They're really good at fucking things up and overstaying well, their welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and I and so all of that I'm on board with. But I am really, you know, I, I, I think they have tried a few things differently. Like I think even Dead Rising was kind of their answer to what happened to the Resident Evil series. And um, it's like, okay, zombies aren't scary anymore, so we're just going to do kind of like this tongue-in-cheek thing. Um, I think what will be really interesting is, you know, uh, since Resident Evil's original creator is with working with Bethesda right now, I think what's going to be really interesting to see is Evil Within. Yeah. I am curious about that one. Yeah, I'm, I can't wait to not play that. <laughs> looks, looks like not for me. Um, okay. I. And it's funny because with Resident Evil 6, you can really kind of see exactly what they're doing and how their how their minds are working behind this because they're they you know they released four and it's and it's almost perfect, but it's not. You're kidding yourself if you think four is scary. It's not a scary game. the mm. The survival elements are pretty weak. You, you know, you've always got ammo for the most part. You, you don't have to make too many sacrifices or really feel like you're all that vulnerable and then in five they kind of ramp up the the shooter aspect a little bit and people push back and so six you can see this concession where they have leon's campaign where they're like oh well this is the traditional horror game but then they have chris's campaign which is like a military shooter and um it's it's a good example of you know like i said they everybody wants that call of duty taste everybody wants that military shooter a million dollar sales success and it's just they're trying to shoehorn it into genres that shouldn't have it and i i think uh, mm-hmm. i think it pretty much killed off triple a horror games and gave the title over to indie shit yeah yeah that's that's a good point um you know all the strong horror showings have definitely been in the indie realm and you you make a good point with technology kind of technology holding uh holding it back and i, I like to think of with the adventures of Briscoe County Jr., <laughs> Blu-ray has been released, but we don't have a Blu-ray. Well, why do we? It. Why do we have to the, suffer? <laughs> the game is, the, or the, the 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 TV show is still on DVD only, and uh, I'm just anyway. okay. Great. Next topic. This is this is your cherry tree high comedy club. <laughs> Except I already own it, so no one can buy it for me. <laughs> well, then we'll just have to kill you. Take that. And if you did buy it for me, I would just be happy. Because it would be the Blu-ray release. <laughs> um, all right, should we move on to whatever we have next? 
Well, mm. you have the rise of casual games. I next, did. Which... I did list the rise of casual games, um, which lar- I largely. Know, I have. Well, go ahead. I have such mixed feelings on casual games because I think they get a lot more shit than they kind of deserve. I think that, um, you know, for one, the casual market has probably kept video games afloat, and especially companies like Nintendo afloat, uh, a lot longer than they probably would be now. And I think casual games have also kind of rocketed video games in the public eye to the point where Roger Eber, you know, know, bless his soul, has to go out and say, no, they're not art, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think the other thing about casual games that uh, no one seems to realize is that the majority of the casual game purchases those kind of uh, in-game, give us money so you can get this thing. That's actually by the hardcore gamers. That's not by the casuals. They're not the ones fucking things up. It's the people that go and bitch on 4chan about it. Well, I, I think that I, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with, with casual games per se. I think it's the um, it's the things that have been tied into and associated with them that have then leached into other areas. And so actually um, the, the best example would be uh, probably the free-to-play model, um, which I, I think really gained its footing and, and kind of took to life on uh, the mobile platform where we see a lot of you know games like Angry Birds and Cut the Rope and stuff like that. And the, the stuff that I don't like that comes out of that model specifically we we could talk about microtransactions and mm-hmm. and games that are not free to play that are still finding and this dovetails into something else that we need to talk about probably for a little bit more time which is DLC because uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing to me that came out of this generation that has a lot of negative connotations but um you know there's these games like like Dead Space where uh, it's not a free to play game. You you paid a full sixty dollars for it, and they have these transactions in it to somehow circumvent you from playing the game uh, to to help you to not have to play the game for as long or have such a difficult time. And it's the same with Gran Turismo, and now it's the same with Forza Five, where if you you know want to just unlock a car, all right, give us three ninety nine to unlock a car. I think you're I think you're completely right about that. And I think the thing with microtransactions is, you know, you have to take a moment and ask who's supporting it. It's like it's like when I if I go and talk to my sister right now, I'm gonna be like, Oh yeah, how's your little temple run app going? She's gonna go, Oh, it's great. I'm gonna go, Okay, cool. Did you buy that new gun in Dead Space Three? And she's gonna go, What the fuck is Dead Space Three? <laughs> well, that's what's that's what's so maddening about it though, is like the people that it really works on debatably are are not the same people you you get what i mean like um i know tons of people that have given some money to candy crush uh but those same people have no idea what dead space is or or uh you know how you would even play that like don't even know uh, how you'd get to it and so i i think maybe this this fits into our first piece of uh of what i like to call shit dlc um and the first one being basically anything that's pay to win and so my best examples here are uh are the tales series uh starting with vesperia you can you can purchase dlc to get ahead in that game and vesperia is kind of a tough game like it's not super hard but i can see the appeal in paying the game to go up 10 levels 
But that's exactly what you can do. You can pay him like three ninety nine, and you gain ten levels. And I, I, I didn't think, even know. I played like every Tales game. I didn't even know that was there. Yeah, you could you can do it in Grace's F, and I, I'm I haven't played Zillia or whatever, but I'm pretty sure it's carried over to that too. So all all the Tales games have uh, the ability to purchase levels and the ability to purchase gold, which I, I it's just nonsense. I know Disgaea definitely has the ability to uh, purchase characters and. You know, they're leveled and all that kind of stuff. So, well, can we go um, back just really quickly to talk about the Facebook games? Because here's what bugs me about yeah. the Facebook games. And well, they're not even games. Well, <laughs> yes, yes. Now oh, you, now you're, now you're on the right track. Here's what okay. I'm about to say. Before you guys go too far here, let me just give you two words to remind you to tread lightly, and that is cookie clicker. So continue. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, that being said, the thing that bugs me most about a lot of these Facebook games. It's that little thing that we all know, known as your energy, which means you can only play this game for this long before you got to pony up some dough, or you can come back tomorrow, because we don't want to see I your mean, face anymore. And that that whole system means that the vast majority of the games you see, especially games made by, like, Zynga, they don't give a flying fuck about the game they're making. They're trying to make a essentially this feedback machine where they're holding people on a hook and then nudging them to buy something they don't care about the game they're making they have no interest in it they're almost like just like a sweatshop that churns out stuff for people to buy energy yeah and i think that's true i think that's true for uh mobile apps as well but i i here's the difference between a facebook game and cookie clicker right so cookie clicker i'm sitting there i'm watching my numbers go up and i'm pressing my little mouse button every now and then, you know, just to get the numbers to keep going up and close the browser, come back, play it some more or whatever. But the only person whose time and attention I'm wasting is my own on a Facebook game. A Facebook game is asking me to email every fucking person on the list and say, hey, click this link so that I can get a fucking piece of fruit in my garden. And, you know, I expect you to do this for me in your very busy day. And we're talking like, we're talking friends. We're talking industry contacts. We're talking, you know, so family. With cookie, clicker, with cookie Clicker, you just took it upon yourself to try to get everybody you know to play. <laughs> yeah, because, because he actually That's enjoyed true. it enough that he wanted other people to play the game. As Thank opposed you. to like a, like a Facebook game where you feel embarrassed if you have to ask somebody to give you a hammer so you can finish building a chicken coop. I hope you do at least. Yes, I do. I mean, I've never been there, but I would. Well, so this this brings up an interesting question with a lot of the stuff we're talking about is uh, I, I think I think most of the trends that I find really shameful this generation, I think almost all of them are economic based. Oh, like, yeah. You, you don't want to oh, yeah. pay. Mm-hmm. You don't want to pay for playtesters. And if you can get somebody to pay $80 for a game instead of 60 through DLC, why not do it? Um, and so the question then is, do, who do you get mad at? Do you get mad at the companies that keep doing this, or do you get mad at the at the people who keep buying it and going? And you into get mad it? at you get mad at the companies that keep doing it. I'm going to explain why, and it's because of the thing we didn't cover on the topic, which is the DRM. And you actually kind of have that in there with SimCity. And my huge problem with DRM is like, yeah, I understand protecting your intellectual property and you know fighting against the evil pirates that are taking that one may make a mutton feast out of your mouth that month but the problem with drm is that absolutely 100 percent of the time and i have not seen a single time where this wasn't true drm punishes the player that buys the content it doesn't actually punish the pirates you know the pirates and the people that want to steal this game are going to find a way to figure out 
to how to fucking steal it. In fact, they're going to have an easier time playing the game than you did. Yeah, they're going to have an easier time than I did. You know, it's like with Skyrim. It's like, you know, yeah, I know people that downloaded that game. Um, and when I couldn't play it for a month, they were able to play the fucking game. It's like the same thing with the ridiculous you play and Punkbuster shit that Ubisoft has going on. Uh, the, I, the only person that's punishing is me. I bought the game. I had to sit there now and wait for a 25-minute install and then sign up for your fucking Uplay account to buy this game because you don't want someone else stealing it who's already fucking stolen the game. So 100% of the time, 100% of the time, the DRM kind of punishes the player. And then in almost every instance where you have a game that's kind of like so tied to your microtransactions, like Grand Theft Auto V online is, and you can tell, any gamer can tell that this shit is tied into the microtransactions. And yeah, you know, there's might be the one occasion where you have the kind of hardcore gamer who's playing Dead Space 3 or Tales, and they're like, yeah, I really want to buy this stuff. And yeah, that happens. And I'll admit that there may have been, may have been like one or two things that I was interested in purchasing for a game. But I don't engage it that often. And to the point where it starts to break the game, that's just awful. You know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be something where you're punishing the consumer just because you feel like you need to grab more money. But, there's absolutely no reason for SimCity to have been released with the lies that they released it with, and there's absolutely no reason that Grand Theft Auto V Online's gameplay had to be so tied to the microtransactions, and there's no reason that I should have paid sixty dollars uh, for Skyrim and not be able to pay it for a month. But see, well, I think you're getting two issues kind of intertwined there. A little bit, but it, it actually what he's saying still plays into what I'm saying, which is like like let's take Origin for example. Um, Origin came out and everybody flipped out and hated it and was mad about it. And every time a game comes out that's exclusive to Origin, everybody gets all grumpy and angry. Uh, but they still buy it. Like they still they still go and mm-hmm. and get it. And Origin's going to keep existing so long as people keep using it. And, you know, I I look at a game that came out that was supposed to have really restrictive DRM, like Spore, and it it wound up being like one of the most pirated games of all time and and had, you know, is regarded pretty much as an economical failure because people didn't buy it. And so the next time Maxis puts a game out, they're probably going to consider that a little bit more. Um, but it, I, I mean, it's like it's like poaching. Like, who's who's really the problem? Is it the poachers, or is it the people that provide a market where you can sell a rhino horn for millions of dollars? Like, mm-hmm. it it seems more like if you're going to keep letting this happen to you, then it's really kind of your fault. Like, I'm so tired of people complaining about shit being released on Origin. Don't don't buy it. It was a pretty easy decision for me uh, as soon as I heard that Origin was out, and I was like, well, there's a few games I might want, but I really can't be bothered to download Origin because I don't give that much of a fuck. And sure, I want the game, but I guess I'll just not play it. I'm like, oh well. And I think <laughs> well, that's that's the thing, though, Jason. You're you're effectively voting with your dollars. There, you're saying this is not worth my money. Yeah. So you don't buy it. But then there's all these people out there who buy this stuff and then bitch about it. Well, right. You're implicitly saying that you don't like it, but you can put up with it enough that you have to have that game. And I, I understand it's not. It's frustrating because, you know, like with Skyrim, I probably would have jumped through a lot more hoops than I did to play that game because I really wanted to play it. I mean, they could make it easier, but or if you look at microtransactions, like, sure, we'd like all that stuff for free, but there's a market out there who's going to pay for that. And the guy who made the game, he has to feed his family. So what's he going to do? But I, I, I think I think what I'm saying here is that it doesn't have to be done to the point that it's intrusive. If you look at a model like Grand Theft Auto V online, you know, it's done to the point where it's actually intrusive. And I think the majority of gamers, you know, 
did exactly what we're saying here. I think I think everyone saw that this was bullshit. I'm not going to pay for your microtransaction system. You know, fuck you. I'm out of here. I'm going back to the single player game. And it's like, yeah, it's too late because everyone kind of bought this game. And I doubt the online would have changed anyone's mind about that anyway. But when they saw what um, the online component was, that they didn't touch it. I think I think I think Dead Space Three kind of offers an interesting model where people actually did like you know, the microtransaction system there. And it's like, yeah, I am going to pay to get this little special part for my gun or whatever. But it was a a robot. You can basically, it's, it's like a, it's kind of like a coin doubler. So you you send out these robots to uh, collect resources. And if you, if you pay them a little extra money, your robot will find more resources or he'll find them faster. And so you're basically just paying to get the same amount of content, but just get through it quicker. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and I think and I think that's I almost I think that's almost acceptable if it's going to happen because the system's going to happen anyway. You know, that's 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 kind of the thing. So that's what I'm getting at is like all the stuff that we're going to talk about here with with DLC and and uh pre-order bonuses and and things like that. All all this stuff is something where I think it's it shows a, a lot of greed on a on a company's perspective and it's kind of like a well shame on you guys for treating your client base like this. But at the same time, it's a client base that allows itself to be treated this way. And like, I'm going to complain about true. all of it, but I fed into a lot of it, too. Are you going to buy the next Grand Theft Auto game after how they, I, after I, what I, they did to you with five? I think that I think I think that we're kind of confusing the case here, though, because it's it's, you know, it's with Grand Theft Auto. I, it's definitely a very clear a moment of, um, you know, this was a little bit of manipulative uh, capitalism. We definitely released this game, the single player game first without kind of packaging in the multiplayer so people couldn't see what was going on with that. And we're going to get our reviews out and all that kind of stuff. And then we're going to launch this thing uh, two weeks later. I definitely think that's uh, sneaky, but I don't think there's ever been a situation that's come up where people are, are like, oh, yeah, I really want to buy this fucking Rockstar game for the multiplayer. And that's the only reason I'm going to buy it. I don't think that comes up. And I think what kind of needs to happen as far as this stuff goes. Like, it's like when I see, when I see a game like this, when I see a game like dead space three or, um, well, Sonic lost world. I would never buy that anyway. But if I see a game like dead space three and I don't like what's going on, I'm not going to buy the game. I bought the other two dead spaces, you know, then the next grant the Auto when grant the Auto six comes on, it's like, yeah, I really actually love the single player five. And I do typically play the single player there. I just don't, you know, it, it, I, I think I've already kind of voted on that. I think I already kind of voted by not, purchasing any of the microtransaction shit that's on gta 5 online well keep in mind it's kind of hard for us also now to say what we will and won't do in term like personally because uh ever since we kind of started the site the idea has been we need to play this stuff as early as possible so we don't have time to necessarily look up and see what everybody else is saying and then say well i'm not going to play this game plus as a review site it's i'm not sure you want to look at somebody else's review and let them tell you how to uh how you should like it yeah right but 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 uh, but as consumers since this thing isn't right if, if we if we were just regular i mean i yeah. guess we really are just regular consumers at this point but if, if if i had waited on the skyrim purchase and someone told me you know patch 1.3 was so broken that it rendered the game unplayable that's a game i wouldn't buy you know if with SimCity and diablo 3 when you know the reports came out that they were so broken I didn't buy those games, and now that Diablo three is fixed, I still didn't buy it. And I know Jason. Well, it's still know. not fixed. To be clear, it's not going to be fixed <laughs> until the expansion comes out. So you're you'd right. still be 
fucked if you bought it like right now i do think that there's a way to be a smart consumer about it. i think it, i you know i think the only blame that can really be put on the consumer is this idea of i need everything right now so i need to get this like right this second and again our situation has changed but it's it's good to get a temperature on what's going on with these games and to see now exactly how intrusive the drm or the microtransactions are to the gameplay before you buy it, because let's face it, I mean, Grand Theft Auto V sold gangbusters, and then the idea for next time would just be to sit around for a week or two and wait and see what the report is on Grand Theft Auto VI before you go ahead and purchase the title. You just got to be a smart consumer. Well, so I think that's I think that's where the most blame comes from for the consumer. I think the companies could really afford to tone themselves down on this shit, because you know, at a certain point, it's like this is just plain greed. And DRM, no matter which company does it, I think Ubisoft is one of the stronger companies right now. And you play just pisses me the fuck off. It's completely unnecessary. Well, so let's uh, you, you talk about kind of researching the game more before you buy it and and doing your due diligence to make sure that you don't get something that's broken or uh, or half completed or anything like that. And so that kind of fits nicely with the the next category we had, which was pre order bonuses, uh, which I think have gotten a lot dumber. They're just lazy. <laughs> this generation than they used to be. Just lazy. So, and I think I think it's another fault of technology. I think it's another thing where people said, "Oh, we can program in a little extra shit and then not worry of getting anything good." Well, and in some ways, they're they're punishing you for not pre-ordering. So, like Assassin's Creed had the um, Assassin's Creed Three had the missions where you would actually like not have a single player mission unless you bought the game from Walmart. And then I think Best Buy had a different mission and I think GameStop had a different mission. And so no matter where you bought it, you were still going to be missing something. And as far as I know, those never even came out on DLC. So, uh, mm. you know, basically the guy who bought it at Walmart played more Assassin's Creed 3 than you. I would like to defend one pre-order bonus, actually. Which um, is that? Uh, when I pre-ordered Payday 2, the pre-order bonus was that Eventually, meaning this was not even something that was done yet, which is, of course, that's the positive point. Uh, there was DLC that was going to be coming out much later. It hadn't even be fi been finished. It was, you know, for some extra missions to play. And of course, in Payday, all missions are repeatable. So the idea is to repeat them, but it was still a good chunk of missions. Uh, if you pre-ordered, you got that DLC for free whenever it came out. I like that because the DLC wasn't already finished. So you didn't feel like you didn't feel like they were just holding something away from you that was already there. Mm -hmm. You felt like, well, I'm actually, I'm showing that I'm a fan of, you know, this series. And later on when they've done the work, despite the fact that they've done that extra work, they're still going to give that to me for free. Whereas, you know, they obviously still have to charge for it for other people because they did that extra work long after the game had come out. So before we get to the end of this podcast, just remind me, because there is one game, I think, that's a, uh, that fits into this generation that actually takes a lot of the stuff that's on this list and does it right, if such a thing is possible. Let's but talk we'll about the rest of the shit, and then I'm excited to hear what your, <laughs> okay. what your selection is. Um, okay. But, but so um, like, I, I think that the pre-order bonuses, the, the one that I'm really... And someone listed L.A. Noir here, and it's a good... It's a good second choice, except L.A. Noir everything was DLC too, so it had like four missions that were taken out of the game, and and you would get one of them depending on which vendor you went and purchased the game through. 
And I, I at least found that less irritating because at least I could still get it all. Like Assassin's Creed 3 will forever be a game to me that's incomplete in a sense because if I played it on the Xbox, I missed out on all the PlayStation exclusive content. If I bought it at Target, I didn't get any of the exclusive missions for the stores. And uh, there's there's nothing that you can do to fix that. Some of the other stuff I listed here is really lazy. Like Sonic Lost World, if you pre-ordered it, you got 25 bonus lives. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh boy. Um, and then Remember Me was one that I thought was a little ridiculous, which was um, you got extra attacks. Three, You got three extra attacks, so like a new punch. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think I, stuff I think stuff like a soundtrack or like a steel book, I think those are really cool things, and they incentivize really cool you thing. to pre-order it. But, and I think I, I think what's happened with DLC is DLC. You, I mean, sorry, DLC. Sorry, pre-order bonuses. It's, it's I think the same shit. It's just DLC. Same shit. I, well, with pre-order bonuses, what they used to be is that you would go and pre-order the game, and then you would get a couple little extra nice things with it. And I'm not saying it has to be like physical all the time, but I was saying you know physical stuff is a nice little extra incentive. I remember when I pre-ordered Tales of the Abyss, I got a little you know bonus little cell of the characters that i still have it's nice you know it was nice to have that and it's like you know it encouraged you to go out to the vendors and get it for this thing and it definitely had no impact on the game and i think i i think a great example of this um of how lazy the kind of dlc has gotten and how greedy the companies have gotten because i think that's the other thing about it is that a lot of uh, pre-order bonuses these days are just to make sure all the money goes to this developer's wallet or the pro or the publisher's wallet and um not to the stores that used to offer them. I think, uh, what was I saying? Shit. <laughs> I think a great example is Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto 4, the last set of pre-order bonuses was actually really nice. You get a little lockbox case and all this other stuff. And now Grand Theft Auto 5, it's like, here's a shitty hat that you can get embroidered at your local shopping mall and uh, a bunch of digital content that isn't that good anyway. Well, the hat, uh, and it, the hat was the collector's edition, though, right? Not the, not the oh, yeah, pre-order bonus. Because for the pre-order bonus, I, all I got was the blimp. Yeah. You get to ride uh, around awesome. in a blimp. Really awesome. <laughs> oh, and, boy. Uh, I don't know. It's, 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 uh, it's just been a mess, I I'm, think. I'm star- in the room I'm Are- sitting in right now, I'm, I'm staring at a pack of uh, Fallout New Vegas playing cards. And like, I, I think that was pretty cool. I that even, is an excellent bonus. Tactics, item. I didn't I, even pre order the game. I just went and picked it up at Walmart at midnight the night it came out, and they gave me one of those. And I, I thought that I, that's perfect. That's great. What bothers me is when I see a game that gets taken apart and uh, and has these unobtainable pieces. And I'm sure the stuff that I'm missing in Assassin's Creed 3 sucks anyway. But still, like it just it's it's irritating to me. You'd hate to have that established as a precedent, and then somewhere down the line have a really good game fall victim to it. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, and I think that this I think that this kind of starts to tie into DLC. So should we should we talk about some bullshit DLC at least? Yeah, we the, can talk about bullshit DLC. Yes. So I, I feel like I feel like bullshit DLC fits into a few different categories. And we talked last week a lot about a lot of DLC that's good because I don't think it's all bad. I don't mind the fact that the expansion pack has kind of been broken up into little pieces. If I paid $40 for a Warcraft 3 expansion pack forever ago, I don't think that's that much different than paying $40 for uh, two two DLC installments in a in a modern game. But I still think there's a lot of DLC that's that's garbage. And so let's let's start with the least offensive garbage, which is uh stupid decorative shit. 
Um, my examples here would be horse armor, which everybody likes to pick on is, is horse armor. Um, it's not the worst, but it, it started the worst. Uh, Street Fighter 3 had color packs. So like if you wanted Chun-Li to be purple, you could do that, but you're going to have to buy it. There are a bunch of fighting games like that where it's just alternate costumes and things like that. Um, in Fable 3, there was dye. You could dye your clothes certain colors. But if you wanted to dye your clothing black, that's DLC. You got to pay for the black dye kit. See, that? you know why that bothers me is because that doesn't require any work. Right. I, if I'm buying DLC, I want to know that I'm buying... I, I just want to know that I'm paying because somebody did work on something. If you're just charging for the color black, nobody had to come into the office and pull extra hours <laughs> to implement the color black. It was already there. Now, we also have what I think is the best DLC, uh, <laughs> which is if you ever... Nobody played it, but if you ever played the Saboteur, if you bought it new, it came with a code that you could redeem. Uh, it was it was called like the Midnight Club or something like that, and it gave you... They gave you one tiny little map that you could visit and you could play like a, a poker game or something. But more importantly, what it did was it it took the pasties off of every woman in the strip club that you call your home base. So basically, it was DLC that unlocked nipples. It's, <laughs> it's nipples. Just, nipples just a small note, I did play it and I reviewed it for the site. Yeah, did you see the nipples? No, I didn't because no, it was you your did, copy. Because it was secondhand. But if you bring it over to my <laughs> Xbox, oh, doggy. We got nipples galore, so uh, I think I think that's definitely the best one. And, and so that's one piece of this is is some of this DLC that I'm talking about is stuff that just came oh, with the game. Wait, I'm sorry, we forgot to talk about Duke Nukem Forever. Oh, we'll we'll talk about. I it. know, but we're like we're getting on we're getting towards time. I mean, oh, that's that's true. Should we um I, before we leave DLC? We'll, there's... we'll talk about Duke Nukem Forever in the next podcast. It's coming, folks. Christmas. Okay. Get Christmas. to it. Okay, fine. We'll talk about Duke Nukem Forever sometime. Let me um <laughs> in the next fourteen years. <laughs> okay. I, I have to hit on these these last two pieces because I actually think they're the they're the things that are the worst to me about this generation. Um, and one is one is day one DLC, which which yeah. Capcom has totally mastered because not only does Capcom almost always release day one dlc but it's almost always on disc and didn't, yeah. it, didn't they make one... headlines with resident evil so like the the multiplayer being on disc wasn't that like the first time anybody had ever done that i think the first time i ever heard about it was with marvel versus capcom 3 they had a bunch of extra characters that were planned yeah. dlc but they're on yeah. the they're like, on the disc Joe, yeah, yeah Joe, i think that was it and, uh, and that was it and someone hacked the disc and they found out all of the information for both those characters is on there um, and, and they didn't even learn from it because they did it again with Street Fighter and Tekken, and then they Which did it again. Anyway, so no one missed anything. They did it again with Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's <laughs> Dogma had a bunch of extra missions that you could purchase, and they're all on the disc. They're all already there. And Bioware's guilty of it too. They did it with Mass Effect. They had the um ah shit. You what's just, that? You just changed the strings in the registry, basically. What's what's that ancient race? The 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 Protheans. Um, the Protheans. I was going to say the Forerunners, but that's Halo, I think. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the Protheans already on disc, like you just modify it a little bit and you can just pop him right in and play with him. Mm. That sounds so not right, but you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, and then the last one that I listed here is even more shameful. And like I said, Capcom's kind of been our beacon of how not to do DLC. I think Japanese companies in general have been much worse at it than Western companies. 
um, but DLC that deliberately cripples the game's story. And we can talk. Oh, we can talk you, Mass Effect Three. I see you have a Shiro's Wrath, which is that's the they one. They just ripped out the ending. They just ripped out the last third of the game. Yeah, and it said just, you have to pay us money to see it. Yeah, it just doesn't have an ending. So you'll see that game on Amazon for twenty dollars. But what they're not telling you is it's really thirty because you're paying another ten for the ending uh, once you get it. Which is just crazy to me. Like I can't even I can't even begin to comprehend what they were doing there. I don't know if you guys have any other examples, but like Mass Effect 3's DLC is a goddamn nightmare because if you put it all back into the game, aside from like Citadel, which is pretty unnecessary, but like Leviathan totally changes the ending to that game. Like it it completely um prepares you for the buttfuck weird ending that they are gonna serve up to you. And they just, they just, it, it all feels like it was taken out of a complete game and then just sold separately. And that's the kind of stuff that really drives me up the wall. It's disgusting. This is rancid. Should be ashamed. Should we save Duke Nukem forever? We, we, we have, have to. to. Let's, I mean, say, let's save Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> yeah. Has, have one of you played it? I, I've played it, yes. Okay. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> that's why it would be such a good topic. I didn't play it for feel, long, but I played it. <laughs> it didn't feel appropriate to talk about without, without, you know. <clears throat> Yeah. Get into it a little so bit. You, so you so I mean there's one last point you say, which is just general creative bankruptcy, but I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think it is either. I think if you focus on the bad it is, but I actually think all things considered, and I said this last week, I think a lot of new IPs came out this generation, and I think they're some of the strongest ones that I've had in my time playing video games. Like there wasn't a new, you know, Super Mario to speak of. Um, but but I think shit like Uncharted, uh, stuff like Dead Space, Mass Effect, you know, all those came out of these just past eight years. And uh, and they wound up being huge franchises and maybe not always the most original stuff. But uh, it, it, some of my favorite games that I'm going to list, you know, 20 years from now came out during this generation and, and didn't exist prior to that. Uh, and I, I do think there was a lot of garbage and a, a lot of repetition and shovelware and stuff like that. But I think the the real like cream of the crop stuff was actually pretty original, all things considered. So I, I so I want to mention this this game, and I want to like just do a quick, quick, quick uh, little overview of what we talked well, about. This this is your perfect so, example, right? This is, well, this is my perfect example of getting like a lot of this shit that we talked about that was done badly. Uh, taking it and turning it on there and kind of doing it right. And I know not everyone here loves the game, you know, but I think it's a great example. So Planetary Annihilation, that's not my game, but Planetary Annihilation expects you to pay $90 to get their early access and kind of beta test the game because they charge their, you know, their Kickstarter campaign members $90. So, well, it's only fair. <laughs> you know, we have Capcom who expects you to pay for color packs, just so you could slightly change the character a little bit. And we have Capcom kind of like ripping characters out of the final product and then saying, oh yeah, well, these characters are coming later. We couldn't program them in and et cetera, et cetera. I, we have, we have I, user base. I'm we sorry. Have, I just figured out what game it is. You can, you can continue. Okay. We have user-based QA testing, which normally should be a bad thing, you know, unless you're actively responding uh, to your audience and to fan feedback and not only fixing the shit that they find, but adding more shit and finding it better. And this is someone that, you know, looks as you buying their game. You know, you pay however much it is. I forget. It's something like $15, right? If you know the game I'm thinking of. I think um, it's something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's something like $15. You pay for the game. You get the DLC that 
other people were promised for supporting this game early. Um, they're very reactive. They give you a ton of color packs for free. You know, they don't charge you a single dime for changing the colors of anyone. Um, you could say there's player-based QA testing, but they are very reactive to fan feedback. They say there are more characters coming, and it doesn't matter at what point you joined our project, whether it was after release or if it was our Kickstarter campaign. We're going to make sure everyone gets the same shit. And this game is called Skullgirls. And I actually think that uh, you, you mentioned the playtesting. Uh, and I, I think that fighting games are one of the only games that really get a pass in regard to uh, player-based quality testing in the sense that you're always going to be patching that game to accommodate like new cheap strategies that someone figured out and character rebalancing and stuff like that. So to, to my mind, I don't think you can put out a fighting game that is going to be like the last patch that you're ever well, going to release. Or, or like a real-time gonna... strategy. I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. It, really, like that. anything that anything that has like that MLG uh, hook in. Has and that the, tournament the, element. Yeah, the know? tournament element. Yeah, although, you know, Smash Brothers is an example of a game that never had to patch itself, and people just learned to deal with how hacked up and weird it was. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, by turning into a different game. But Fox I think... I think Skullgirls is a great example because that was something where I just kind of bought it as an impromptu purchase. And I heard about additional characters. And I'm like, well, I'm never going to see those. I already paid my money for this. I'm not going to add in $5 each time. And it's like, oh, you don't have to worry about that because we're going to give you this one for free. I'm like, oh, OK, that's cool. And we're going to update your color packs and all that as well. I'm like, oh, OK, that's cool, too. Well, I, I'd say there you go, folks. Uh, game of the generation, Skullgirls. <laughs> go pick it up today. <laughs> alongside the uh, the TV series of the generation. Yeah, I would uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. starring Bruce Campbell, Julius Carey, and Christian Clemenson is available now in a uh, six-pack DVD complete set. Uh, it's $23.99 on Amazon.com. Uh, go check it out right after you play Skullgirls. Uh, if, you, if you liked what you heard today, we're going to talk more next week. We're going to talk about Duke Nukem Forever and we're going to talk about Christmas. Two things that I don't think really could go together any better than they did now. And maybe, maybe next week can be our our uh, advert game discussion where we where we can talk about Cool Spot and and uh, Chex Quest and all the all the all those classics. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We don't. Who knows? Stuff's coming. If you haven't already, you should go check us out on Twitter. It's uh, the Enemy Slime. We're also on Facebook under the same name. You can tweet about the podcast. Use the hashtag #EnemyPodcast. If you'd like to write us an email and tell us what a bunch of idiots we are or geniuses, whatever, uh, you can email us at contact at enemyslime.com. Just tell him what you think of Crystal County, whatever the fuck. You guys don't even. You guys have never <laughs> even seen the show, have you? No. Oh no. God. Oh, what have I? All right. Well, I guess I'll have to loan out these DVDs to somebody. Stop it. Um, Stop yeah. it. Anyway. Um, I think that's it. Go check out our site. You can read more of our thoughts and musings just by going to enemyslime.com and uh, Feliz Navidad. Yes, next week. It's going yes, to be the last week. show of the year and it's going to be sexy because we're going to be all chillaxed Christmas. Bring your nutmeg and grind some up all over your keyboard. It's going to be cool. <laughs> or something. Do, do, do a line of cinnamon with a straw. Yeah. Roll, roll up a dollar and do a do a line of coriander. <laughs> if you do that, take a picture and send it to uh, you know contact at enemyslime.com. Yeah, whatever. Just send us anything. We don't yeah. we don't care. Yeah, we don't give a fuck. We're, We're out. Shit. We're out right now. Alright, there you go.